0: Hey, y'all. Welcome to this week's Pain in the Pod. This week, I have Sheila Wysocki of the podcast Without Warning. We're in season three of this podcast, and if y'all have listened to season one and two, you know that Sheila is an amazing private investigator. In this case, she's doing in real time. It's about the death of this girl, Katie, and her daughter, River, and her unborn child, um, Horrible, horrible. And it's all about the weird family that's coming in and trying to say that it was like the Lord's work and it's it's nuts. So you'll definitely have to take a listen to Sheila Wisaki this week on Without Warning and make sure to join me on Patreon. I know I say it all the time, but it's a great way to support the podcast. You go to this website, Patreon P-A-T-R-E-O-N, Patreon.com slash pain in the pod that's me and you click on that and you can support the podcast and also you get tons of bonus content. Um, I put out an extra podcast every week about podcasts I'm listening to and I do a zoom call and it's uh, really fun over there. So go over there and support the podcast, get some extra content. But here we are, we're talking to Sheila of Without Warning. Hey y'all, I have a return guest this week. I'm so excited. It's Sheila Waisaki of the amazing True Crime Podcast, Without Warning. Now, if you don't know about Sheila, Sheila is a private investigator in her real life, and her podcast goes very in-depth on the cases she covers. It's fascinating to me, especially because I think I'm a private investigator. Then when I talk to Sheila, I realize I'm really actually... Not, I'm just an internet sleuth. But without warning is the name of her podcast and season three just started. It's a brand new case. And so far it's completely bonkers. So welcome back. Thank you for
1: having me. I so appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Okay. For my listeners who don't know about your background, give us a little history about your career as a private investigator.
1: I became a private investigator in 2004 when I wanted to find out what happened to my college roommate who was raped and murdered in the 80s. And in 2010, we were able to go to trial with the man that did get convicted of rape and murder. He is now in death mm. row. And uh, from there, I had other families reach out and ask for help, and I continued helping families.
0: To be a private investigator, do you have to go to a special school or get a license to do that? I assume so. Yes. You can't just say I'm a private investigator. In some states, you could just
1: say you're a private investigator. But in Tennessee and Texas, where I work, I have to have a license. And in Tennessee, you have to take a test. And I believe I had to have, um, I can't remember in 2004 how many hours, but I've had hours and hours of mentoring.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And you work with a, a, a team of people and you've got a whole group of uh, PIs. It seems like that would I would want to be a fly on the wall for a dinner with you guys. It is
1: <laughs> so much fun. I enjoy traveling with them. I, I love uh, the group that I work with.
0: Okay, so talking about your podcast, you've done three seasons. So are these stories based on A client. So clients bring you a case and then you say, hey, this actually would make a good podcast. And other ones you're thinking like, I'll figure this out in a month and it won't make a good podcast. Is that how you figure out what to cover? Well, the first case I did was the Lauren Agee case, and that was
1: a test. I didn't know even what podcasting was. I still am having trouble with what podcasting (laughs) is for me, but I use it as an investigative tool. So we put on about 30 episodes, got tips in. We kept doing it because of the tips that were coming in, and we were able to, and I say we, it is, I work with the families very closely and decide what goes on, what doesn't, what we hold back. And we got so much information. Lauren's case moved leaps and bounds because of the podcast. So we stopped that podcast when... Um, some legal things were going on and the family had to make decisions on what to do. So that case, um, you know, started it. The second season, as you know, culpable came to me and asked me to do the investigation. And then the third season, this case came out of COVID, actually, um, because all of my cases were, stopped. All the court cases are, you know, nobody can go to court. Um, So I, one of my um, investigators said, you've got to talk to this mom. And Mm -hmm. because we're all on lockdown, I talked to the mom and I thought, heck, we're only going to be in lockdown for a month or two. So (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So let's see what I can do to help the mom. And they had a private investigator who's fantastic. And so from that, I was able to, um, you know, kind of put together what happened to this young lady and her two children.
0: Yeah, I was. okay. so that's what I want to talk to you about. So season three covers the death of Katie Major, her daughter, River, and her unborn son, they had named Aiden. She was 20 weeks pregnant, about halfway there, I guess. So this case came to you from another investigator. It came
1: from um, my my one of my private investigators that works with me. She she put mm. out. I was in. I was out of town working a case, and she put on social media what cases are interesting or needs to be looked at, and I didn't mm. know that. And then uh, when I came back into town, she's like, you've got to look at this case, and she, I mean, she was all in. And then the uh, private investigator, I called her and talked to her. She is fantastic. Typical situation uh, as a private investigator, she's a female in the South trying to question these male officers, detectives or sheriffs and they didn't care for that at all. She has put together a fantastic case.
0: Okay, will we hear from her yes, on your podcast next week? Yeah. You know, oh, okay, next week. Okay, cuz I'm all called up but um when I'm listening to it I'm I'm rewinding cuz I'm like, "Wait, what?" Like it just sounds I I think it was this week where just a little, just as like a little tidbit random that there's a funeral going on for this uh, woman who has died with her child. I mean, so horrible you can't even imagine. And it's the, the mother of Katie talking. So it's the mother. And so her daughter has died and her child, her grandchild has died and her unborn grandchild has died. And it's just like, the husband's family is so lackadaisical. It's like they're talking about going to the grocery store, the way that they're sort of like, well, we're going to do this. And she's like, can't even like process how to think properly because her child has died, her grandchild has died. And then they're trying to push her out of the funeral and all this weird stuff. Then they say they want at the funeral it to be open casket and for her to be holding her baby that had been in her stomach, a 20-week-year-old fetus. I mean, I kept rewinding that. I was like, wait, are they saying they want the the the, the one-year-old, River? But no, they wanted the baby that was in her stomach when she died to be displayed in the casket. That's right. So
1: he wanted the unborn child, and understand it's the size of a dollar bill, to be mm-hmm. placed on top so, you could visually see the baby. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that was not done. Somebody had the foresight of saying no, the mom, Vicki, who's fantastic. And mm-hmm. she, um, you know, the baby at 20 weeks should not be presented in a casket, obviously. And, you know, the other part of the funeral is that he's eating a Big Mac sitting next
0: to the casket. And drinking a Coke. Uh, Yeah, he's a strange character but wasn't always that way. She said that, you know, it takes her, Vicki, the mom said it takes a long time for me to warm up to somebody and to invite someone into my family. And he was with us like my own child for all these years. And he married my daughter. And uh, up until uh, it sounds like very recently before she passed away, Everything was a little bit okay, but maybe he'd had some depression, or he felt like his parents were pressuring him to go to college, and he didn't want to. And she thought, well, okay, now that he's not going to do college, like, he's better. But it sounds to me like somewhere along the line, he had had some sort of mental break that was being untreated.
1: I'm not sure about his mental stability. However, there are signs. I'm going to bring on a behavioralist. (laughs) You know, he's going to watch the video, the quote interrogation video and go through it. But we have witnesses that we're getting now. So I do have investigators there interviewing people and the little tidbits we're getting. It does sound like when he was in college, after they had gotten married, he went off to college and he had some sort of mental break and that's when he came back to work for Katie's dad
0: right okay okay well we're going to get into the details of this we're going to take a we'll take a little break and we'll come right back
1: this episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink
0: okay I'm back with Sheila Waisaki of the amazing podcast without warning okay so we're talking about season three there's this girl Katie and her child both have died now did they die on the train tracks I don't believe so no okay it doesn't seem like that would' be the case but all right so, that's what they're. That's what they're that, saying. That she was hit, hit by so this train. the
1: police have said she was hit by a train. And again, when you do an investigation, you bring in quality experts. I have brought in, and you'll hear more from them. Train experts, reconstruction experts, Amtrak, you know CS CSX. I think it's you know all these different experts and. I won't get too graphic, but her body would not have been preserved the way it was. You couldn't have had an open casket had Mm. she been hit by a train. Even, you know, I've had theories that, you know, she was sideways hit and all these, it is ridiculous what they're trying to peddle. It is absolutely ridiculous.
0: Not to mention that, you know, she wasn't in a state to go off and kill herself and her child. Um, that's just, you know, that's first and foremost. So, okay. So what's going on here is for my listeners who haven't heard it yet, and we're only a couple episodes in, so you have plenty of time to catch up. And, uh, Katie, uh, is found dead with her child with horrible and she's pregnant. Terrible, but immediately her husband, who had been you know quote unquote looking for her with Vicky, um, who when she's found just says like oh what do the police say? It's not like oh my god she was found. What happened to her? Why would she do such a thing? And it was just more like oh what are the police doing? Are they bringing the body to the funeral home? Just like deadpan. But even weirder than him is his parents. Okay, so his parents are saying which would be her in laws. And the grandparents of her children, are, I just keep I keep going to the grandparent part, like thinking about how my mom would be, um, are trying to say she had postpartum and had been acting very strangely. But they're only getting this information that she's acting very strangely from Aaron, the husband. But when they show up, to, when Vicky shows up to his house, she is pointing to all these weird things in the house, like these weird Bible verses that are marked about like, the firstborn son of the, which of course they were having a, a, a son. And it by all accounts, he was the one that was acting strangely, not her. So do you, th- two things, do you think that the parents are in some weird religious cult or do you think they're just buying what Aaron is selling? I'm not
1: a hundred percent sure on the parents yet. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, okay. at this moment, do I think they're protecting their son? Absolutely. Absolutely. They are protecting their son. That's why they didn't want their son talking to people. That's why, I mean, they were doing what parents do, protecting their own child, and then projecting onto Katie being the crazy one. So... The problem with the entire case boils down to the investigation, and that's always where I go. And the investigation, they did not grab the evidence they should have at initially within 24 hours. Within 24 hours, they had, she committed suicide. Now, why would that be? Well, there'd be two reasons. Number one, the evidence should point to a suicide. Well, obviously it didn't because if you're going to kill yourself by train, you're not going to have any pieces to be looking at. And then the second thing is All the little things that they were being told came from Aaron. Now, we do know that the mom and dad did not talk to the police because they're telling everybody not to talk to the police. One Mm. of the things that we were told by um, a former police officer is the mom told the police if they contacted them, they would sue the police department.
0: If the police just contacted them, they're going to sue the police department for contacting them, doing doing their job. I I don't know why you wouldn't do everything to find out what happened.
1: If if you didn't like Katie, what about your grandchild and your unborn grandchild? It was a it was an unborn child at twenty weeks. It was a
0: human being. Right, right. That's um. Yeah, it's real weird, and then the whole thing about the church is real strange. Um, the church is real strange because they, it's a lot of, um, you know, what, what we see in the South. It's a lot of fire and brimstone. It's a lot of, uh, you know, <sighs> over the top, I would just put it that way. But, you know, they all go to this same church, and then at the last minute, they decide that Katie family's pastor that she's gone to her whole life cannot perform the funeral. And she, the pastor, the pastor knows Katie, but is not allowed to perform the funeral because they say he's like that he's crazy. Well, he's just their family pastor. So at the end of the day, they have to like everything, everything about the funeral is like a fight between the mother of the person that died and then the in-laws. And they, they say that the pastor can't do the funeral because he's crazy. So they're going to bring in their own pastor who they've never even heard of, so the Katie's in laws, so Aaron's parents have this church. Now tell me what we know about so that. So we we
1: it is a like you said it's fire and brimstone, the antichrist revelations. Um, it is a very interesting. I don't I don't understand that kind of um, religion. But that's not my religion. Mm.
0: Um, so, it is. Um, I don't. It, I don't know. Did Aaron did Aaron grow up in this church, or this was like a new church that the parents had gotten Great into? Great question. I, I don't know the answer
1: to that. Actually, very good question. So here's where we are in the case. Let me let me kind of tell you the things that you're asking. We are actively mm-hmm. right now investigating because when I took this case, I thought, oh, I'll do a two or three episode because it seems so simple. Okay, so every time Mary Payne, I think it's going to be a simple case. <laughs> it turns out to be, oh my gosh, you're kidding me. So it went from look at the evidence, look at the forensic. We know she didn't die there. And there is a, this is going to be in the forensic and it will be, you'll get the scoop on it. But there is a cut from hip to hip as a C-section on her body, a cut. (gasps) That's why the leg was out of the body. So Aiden's leg was severed from his, from her body.
0: I, i'm just sitting here with my mouth open so now we're thinking some sort of weird religious cult where they're trying to like take the baby i don't know if i'm thinking weird religious cult i'm not sure yet so or he's or he's out of his mind trying to take the baby oh, yeah. or something. so here's what happened we start looking at this case
1: we look at the autopsy photos the mom has everything we start looking at that we start looking at the autopsy how very sad for this family to have gotten the autopsy report Mm. that they got and it doesn't match what the pictures show so uh, once again a medical examiner writes a narrative to fit what the police are saying typical southern way of doing things Once again, the female is not valued enough for you to do your job well. So the medical examiner's report does not match the pictures. That's why I brought in the experts. So when I saw the pictures, the medical report, this case went from oh, it's going to be told in two or three episodes to, oh my gosh, we've got to do more investigations. So right now, I've got investigators looking at everything. Plus, I'm using this as an educational crowdsourcing. I have people all over the country that are in groups right now that we have broken up in different groups that are looking at this case and the evidence. The information we're getting is unbelievable.
0: I'm, I'm so stunned with what you're telling me. And we're only on episode three. I mean, this is, and, and this is what's cool about what you're doing is you're doing it um, in real time. And the only other podcast I can think that ever did it really in real time is um, to live and die in LA. I don't know if you listened to that one, but they were sort of in real time, like following Google maps and figuring out the crime, like, as, as they were investigating it, because normally what you get with podcasts is you're three-fourths to nine-tenths through when you start so that you know, you know, I'm gonna do these 10 episodes of episode 10, you know, then I'll give my answer. Um, and in this case, I mean, it's very obvious that she did not kill herself and her child and her unborn child, and um, death by train would be uh, a, a real weird way uh, to do that anyway and then we've got Aaron who's not right in the head and then we got his family that's obviously not right and trying to cover up for him and possibly in a cult I mean you know I mean it's like how many other
1: directions can who go? would have thought I mean and then there's another aspect to it so when I so I call it crowdsourcing justice with my patreon groups and they all work these cases. We have Zoom calls. We meet, like, some of them four or five times a week. And they're amazing human beings. And these are people like moms and dads and just, you know, people. And the amount of research that's coming for this family, nobody can get this kind of work done and put together without the help of the public. So, We're doing this case, and one of the moms, I'm not going to say her name because I don't want her getting emails. You never know how people are. She found that the father has these government contracts with the DOJ, DOD, I'm sorry, Department of Defense. Mm -hmm. Well, how much power does that bring if you make a phone call and say, hey, my son's being questioned for—
0: You know the death of his wife Uh uh-huh interesting oh my okay well now we're now we're going into government and okay all right now you've you've blown my mind you've blown my mind with the with the with the c-section situation like it is so horrible. I, I mean, when I saw that. that's horrible. And the fact that the child's
1: leg was pulled out and it was away from the mother and had the train hit her the way they said. Here's the other thing. The train, they said, was going one way. The train didn't run that night.
0: We call it the ghost train. Uh. Sheila, how do you sleep at night with all this information? Because now I won't sleep thinking about all this. Like, how do, you, how do you, how do you, how do you, this is a real question. How do you put this aside and try to go to sleep at night without your mind just I don't sleep running? very much.
1: I really don't. <laughs> I, mean, I really don't. I work a lot. Um, and because, and, you know, if you work with me, you know, at two or three in the morning, you're going to get text messages from me. And um, three o'clock's is like my, I have to go to sleep at three. So, you know, but you will be getting text messages. And the coolest thing is these people that are the public that have gotten involved, they're up at three o'clock in the morning too, because their mind's racing. We have a statement analysis group. I have someone Mm -hmm. who became a PI, met me at a, a meet and greet, became a PI and now she is becoming the expert on statement analysis, taking all the courses from all the experts, and she is a natural. So, like last night, she was texting me some things in a statement saying, Did you notice this? And, you know, that's her talent. So, yeah, and then I'm answering her what I think. And then I have a, a psychologist who um, she taught about serial killers who's leading a group. I mean, It's, it's, you know, and they sent me some videos last night. So it is amazing what the public can do and how they can help these families.
0: Okay. You've blown my mind. All right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Sheila.
2: Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together.
0: Okay, we're back with Sheila Wysocki of the podcast Without Worrying. Now, Sheila has just blown my mind with all this information about um, season three. Now, let me me just, before I start to ask you about your past seasons, I want to ask you, when you're, say, this case um, with uh, Katie, are you only working on this case? Are you two cases ahead or... Because how I don't even know how you would keep it all straight. Are you just you just got this case during COVID and you're just focusing on this till it's done. Are you asking, do I have other cases? At this time, are you working like six cases at once? Oh, absolutely. Just because yes. Just
1: because COVID happened doesn't mean my cases stopped. You know, so I am now I'm not traveling as much right now. I am, you know, we're all grounded, so I am not able to. There are some cases I'm waiting until I can start going to interview witnesses and I have a list. I can't wait to get back out there and start interviewing, but I can work cases without. I usually am in a hotel room working cases and making calls and finding people and getting people out different places. Will I go up to look at where Katie died? Yes, I'm waiting for them to fully open.
0: You have to go see where the ghost train came through.
1: Yes. Now, I have already sent, again, one of the people involved in the crowdsourcing group. She's already videotaped going from Katie's house all the way to where Katie died. And we'll share that footage soon. But timing it, going the route, and seeing the gravel
0: and the train tracks, unbelievably important mm-hmm. because this was in this was in charleston area monk's corner right right mm-hmm. right
1: and it happened 12
0: years ago oh see i didn't even i didn't even catch that part there's so much other information oh god and then of course you think that that little girl river would be 12 and the baby would be 11 i mean gosh it's oh,
1: so gosh. heartbreaking
0: really is. Well, perhaps that's why when you're talking to Vicki, she seems now to have a lot of perspective and calm and she's, because the way she's describing the funeral and all the weirdness around the funeral, they were trying to say that they couldn't close the casket with her there, even though it's her child, like all this weird, I'm just telling you, there's so much weird stuff that now she's able to relay it so calmly and she can look back on it and say, here I am not able even to think straight because i've had this terrible loss and then these people are trying to say i can't be there when they close the casket on oh, my child i mean now i can see where she can at least uh, talk in a calm manner because it didn't have it didn't happen like last year right she's right. been
1: fighting the police for 12 years and they have really strung her along saying when 48 hours did their episode they said, Oh, we're gonna open the case. And during the 48 hours they were working the case, soon as those cameras shut down, done. Nobody helped her. Nobody helped. And we have some audio that we are sharing with the media that is so um, I'm gonna say disgusting that a a someone in authority would talk to a grieving mother the way he did. Mm. So I'm I'm sharing it with the media because we've got to stop treating these women, these moms who have questions the way that they do it, it's, it, may, it that's my hot spot you mm-hmm. don't talk to a mom that is asking you questions the way he did, so I'm going to let the world hear him
0: well, this this will lead me into my next couple of questions. Um, so, uh, season one, it, it's, it's a mom looking into her case. Season two, same thing. So, season one um, covered the Lauren Ag case, which was huge. Now, there were how many episodes of season one? Like thirty. There were so many. 30. I think there were
1: 30 and we, it was real time also. Mm -hmm. Plus I didn't know what I was doing in a podcast, as you can tell, you know, it did (laughs) well, but it, it, you know, I've learned
0: a lot. Um, what, is there any update on that case? I mean, what's the, what's the, you know, final pin in it? Yeah. Um, So uh,
1: Sherry is working with higher authorities. And so until I get more updates on it, we are being quiet to let the higher authorities do their
0: job. Okay. Well, that sounds positive. By high authorities, you mean, uh, you don't mean God you mean? I, know. I think God's <laughs> had his hand in it the whole time. But yeah, I, they're not quite as big as God,
1: but they, they were watching their their progression.
0: Okay, that's good. That's positive, at least. Now, um, as you know, I'm from Mississippi, and when I was at my niece's wedding in November, all anybody wanted to talk to me about was the big case in Meridian, the Christian Andreacchio case, and people wanted to say, like, what do you think? And I'm like, well, you know, I, I don't have any inside scoop just cause I'm a podcaster and I've talked to a lot of the people, but everybody wanted to talk about it. And, um, is there any update that you want to share with me on this or that, not? The, that particular case, I
1: will share that, that Ray has gone to the state government to get laws passed And she is working to help other mothers. Also, Ray is trailblazing several. um, She is definitely a trailblazer. And there are some lawsuits that are happening um, that she has filed. And we'll see what happens with all of it. But one thing I know, everything is going to come out.
0: Yeah. You know, what's interesting, too, is... um... When all this first happened, somebody told me, oh, there's this um, Facebook group you can join about the Christian case, you know, for people that are supporting it, being looked into. So I went to join it, and it had all these questions. And it was like, you know, what do you think or whatever? And then the last, you know, just trying to make sure you're not like a hater going on there, right? And then the last one was, who do you support for sheriff or city council or something in Meridian? And I didn't know the answer because I don't live there. So I didn't know the answer. Like, am I supposed to say this person is supposed to say that person? So I don't think I ever got let in because I didn't answer it. So I was thinking like, oh, interesting. It's, it's going that way. It's a political. Uh, well, politics were already in it. But I was like, that's interesting because I guess if you said one person, they weren't going to let you in. Yeah,
1: I'm not a part of any groups. I have my own Patreon group, right. and we had some issues with people getting in there and then taking the information and twisting mm. it. Yeah. And I publicly outed them because I'm not in the business of harming a family. Of course. I'm in the business of helping these victims' families. So I always say and uh, what shocked me the most is... The people that were holding their children, and they're the ones coming in and utilizing the information and twisting it. And I'm thinking, you're lucky you can hold your child. Ray doesn't get to ever touch her child again.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's that's another thing that you that you touched on that. It is a hot spot for you, and it seems to be the theme. Like you've got from season one, you've got Sherry as the mom. Season two, you've got Ray as the mom. Season three, you've got Vicky as the mom, and these are all moms of adult children, you know, who are trying to find out what happened. And in you know Vicky's case, a, a, two grandchildren as well. I mean, heartbreaking. I'm- You know, I really did not want to do another podcast
1: right now, but I feel like it is such a great investigative tool to get the answers and also to let people know that may
0: not know that they're a witness to come forward. Mm, Right. And when they have information, they don't even realize what they have is important. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, just talking about you being so busy and your mind racing all the time. do you ever get a chance to listen to any other podcasts? Do you have any to recommend? or are you just like a girl I can't even like do my own? You know who I, I, I did. besides
1: I do listen to yours. And by the way, when you did a culpable, you did a great job with Dennis and Mark, you know, that was very yes. well done. Um,
0: they were very
1: proud. Um,
0: that was a big, that was a big get for me because I can't tell. T- yes. Cause people were just like, when are you going to get culpable? When are you going to get culpable? You're from Mississippi. I'm like being from Mississippi does not mean that they want to talk. They're not from Mississippi. <laughs> oh, you know, right? what?
1: You know yeah. what? They're such nice guys. They were and super busy. Know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. But, uh, besides, you know, I did listen to culpable when they did that, but I, I listened to uh, Erica Kelly's, uh, <sighs> Southern fried. I love her. Love Southern her. Pride. Yeah. She's the one that I listened, And j- I don't know. YouTubers, of course, um, uh, You know, Morph, Mike Morph, and uh, John Lorden is my favorite. Um, I don't know if you have ever had him on, but he is, to me, he is what I look for in a human being and a podcaster. He wants to help and find the truth, and it's Lorden Arts, um, brain scratch. And he has, you know, they have three men in a mystery and all these cases. So I'll listen to them when, um, and then when I, I have a friend, um, who's also, uh, she's writing the script for me now, Laura, uh, Lori Morrison. So she does the unlovely truth, and it that came about um, because I she works with me. She went to Meridian with me, and she does travel with me, and I have a conversation with her all the time about where's God in these cases. Mm. I've got to see God somewhere because. I can't do this if I don't know there's some hope. And so she started the unlovely truth and she takes, and it's really interesting murder cases Mm -hmm. and brings in, you know, she breaks it into two things. Where is God?
0: Hmm. That's fascinating. So we've got the unlovely truth, three men in a mystery. Okay. John L O R D E N D A L O R D
1: d-o-n or d-a-n okay. i'm not sure you, you start googling brain scratch it'll come up
0: brain scratch okay um the might uh more more I've, I've heard of him a lot so great okay he did three men in a
1: mystery with john lorden and gray hughes uh-huh Gray Hughes is a very unique human being.
0: Okay. Um,
1: he's another one that I think you ought to get on because uh, he's very unique. I work with him. Okay. He, I, he and I met on the cruise case, which the cruise case is coming up for trial in August. It's only been moved seven times, but it's coming up. So um, hopefully they won't move it again.
0: Did you listen to, uh, which would take a lot of your time, uh, did you listen to In the Dark, the Curtis Flowers case in Mississippi? I
1: did not, but I know that case.
0: Crazy. Um, I-
1: Yeah, I do need to listen to it. I know it from the investigative Mm -hmm. side.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, So, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I love podcasters. I love all the podcasters that are out there doing the right thing. You know, there are some that I don't particularly care for because they're – they're there for different reasons than I am. So I'm attracted to the ones that want to help the families find the truth, whatever the truth is. Right. Right. Sometimes the truth is, sorry, you know, what the police said is what happened. Right. So, um, and you just have to live with it. And I have those conversations with families, but, The the ones like John Lorden and Three Men in a Mystery, John Lorden does things I've never seen before. He, for instance, he and I did a show on domestic violence during COVID. Mm. He took and gave money to the domestic violence organization. He'll do a show on something and turn around and give money to the, the association, you know, related to it. I respect this guy so much. He is such an inspiration.
0: Yeah, you've heard about that just a little bit on the news about the Escobilotes uh, you know, rising, of course, during time of COVID. People are stuck with people. I mean, you know, there's all the jokes about being stuck with your kids and stuff, but I mean, if you're stuck with someone who's already been treating you horribly, it's not it's not a great person to be stuck with. Right. Um all right, well, I'll have to check that out too. My gosh, uh, Sheila, you are busy and doing, I think very important stuff. And, uh, what, what is interesting about your podcast, like I said, is that it is especially this one more so than I realized really in real time. So when we're waiting for your next episode to come out, it's because you're really actually up to the last second working the case to give the detail. So you're actually working the case and then you're trying to put out a podcast where you're probably only giving away just a little, not too much. So that's a, that's, that's a lot. It is a lot. And you know what? I wish I could do the cases that we already know
1: mm-hmm. and it's already done, but You know, it's the way I, it's the way it is. Now, this one's different because I do have Lori writing the script. I've never had that before. That's Um,
0: nice. It takes takes some time off for you.
1: Yeah, you know what? I never had a script before just because um, I just talked about what was going on. Right. So um, this one's different. We're trying it. We'll see what happens. Um, I appreciate people like you highlighting it. um, It helps. I want people to help in this case. I believe that the mother deserves it. And if the authorities don't believe that, you know, if they think we're wrong, I'm always open to sitting down and talking to them as I did in my other cases.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you said, I mean, you've always got the, you're the one that's got all the evidence and the recordings and the interviews. And so just take a listen and you can, I mean, usually it's just right out of their own mouth, you know, oh Lord, I am exhausted at 10 30 in the morning. And I know that your day is just getting started and you're going to be up till three. I know. I know. I'll get a lot done, though. You know, and it's great, but I do have help. All these people.
1: Now, think about this. This is probably my pride and joy right now of starting my podcast. I've had several moms become PIs because of it, and I just had one last week become a PI because she started listening and believed she could do it at her age, second Mm -hmm. career, and is now a PI as of a week ago, and she's under my license
0: um maybe I can do it it'll be my third career (laughs) do it come on you say you're sleuth let's do it I am a sleuth I tell you what my friend Ingrid and I we feel like you just give us just a little bit of information and we can find out anything that's how we feel I
1: agree. You can't if you're you know, there are some people I I just had this conversation uh, with one of my groups because they're like, how did they find that information? Some people are natural at, at locating information. If that's not your gift, find what your gift is. Statement analysis, forensics, you know, public relations, whatever it is.
0: I just like to chit chat with people, and I think that when I um, imagine myself in this um, imaginary career, I think I would be the person going into the um, the stop and go, like Seven Eleven, go into the stop and go, and saying like, "Oh my gosh, I'm visiting this town," and then just start chatting with them and get what they know. The person that works at the stop and go, then they'll send you over to the other person, and then you just get the locals to sort of tell you what's happening. That's nice.
1: exactly interviewing is my thing. I can get people to tell me things that I just go, are you kidding? You just said that.
0: What? Right. right. I, I think, I think I can, I think I could do the same. I think but, Cause I like to just talk to people and get the scoop. Nobody can, nobody can see me at a party or a wedding or something and say something sort of what they think like, Oh, you wouldn't believe what happened. Like my mom, something happened. And I'm like, go back to that. Can we reverse tell me that story. Cause I don't want to talk about like who's on the dance floor. I want to, what just happened? What'd you say? Yeah. That's, that's what I like to do. All right. Well, all right. We'll, t- we'll talk about it, <laughs> but I, I am interested in your Patreon group. So tell me about that. So you have a, a Patreon for without warning, and then you have all these super sleuths on there that you are giving tasks to, and they're coming back with answers.
1: Yes, and I match up. Like I have forensic people. I have people, we are using it as an educational tool. So we're teaching, I think the best gift I can give the world is teaching people that are on the internet and think they're sleuths the tools to do it properly to help the cases. Mm-hmm. So it's very educational. We have a workbook, we have Zoom calls, we have non disclosures, um, and I do work weekends where they come and they stay for two days working cases. I mean, it is, obviously they're not coming right now, but, you know, and I want to move these cases forward. There are so many families right now that I'm trying to help, and I just need a bigger group of people doing it in their communities and these women that have been involved are so smart, and the things that they can pick up. And I can't do five thousand things, but I could have five thousand people looking at different things and coming together.
0: Sheila, you astound me. You, I mean, now you're talking about the Patreon, and I'm like, when do you? That's When do you have time to do that? Oh, my gosh. I'm not great at Patreon. I will tell
1: you, that's my my weak spot. I try to keep up. We do the Zoom calls on Sunday and stuff, you know. Okay. Um,
0: Well, now I'm going to look into it because I want to get in on that uh, amateur sleuth situation. It's fun. It's a good group.
1: And if it's not fun, they're out of the group. I'm really good at kicking people out that are cracking.
0: (laughs) What a feeling of power when you get to kick somebody out of your group.
1: You know, I don't (laughs) want people in there for the wrong reason. They have to have the same ideas that I do. Not the same ideas, but the same motive to help. Same goals. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, tell people where they can find out more about you and Without Warning and your Patreon and all your other 4,000 projects.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, obviously, my Without Warning is on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever people listen to podcasts. Patreon, you just go under Without Warning and, um, you know, find out about me. I have my professional site, which is SheilaWySaki.com. And um, I'm pretty accessible because I want to help people.
0: Yeah, you are. You are. Oh, man, I love talking to you. I know that you're busy and you've got a a thing right after this, so I'll let you go. But (laughs) thanks so much for talking to me. And I mean, I guess at the end of this, we'll talk again about season four, whenever that comes up, whatever case you take on.
1: That just made me break out in a sweat. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. All right. Thanks, Sheila. Bye-bye.